everybody. I am Art Stevens, managing partner of the Stevens Group. Welcome to another in the podcast series of PR Masters. This series, as you know, features luminaries and legends in the world of public relations. Our guest today is Steve Cody, who I'm proud to say is a dear old friend of mine. Uh, and Steve is founder and CEO of Peppercom, a New York-based, fully integrated strategic communications firm with offices in London and San Francisco. Plus, Steve is a stand-up comic as well, a mountain climber, and a dog lover in no particular order. At Peppercom, Steve is responsible for everything from implementing strategy and counseling clients to leading business development and bringing new products and services to market. In short, he does everything but clean windows. Steve's biggest passion is helping others. He derives immense satisfaction mentoring students, guest lecturing at the universities who are brave enough to invite him to speak, and helping fellow midlife marketing communications professionals who have lost their way in life, including me. There may be hope for us yet. Steve is the current chairman of the Institute for Public Relations, a longtime member of the Arthur W. Page Society, a member of the advisory councils of the College of Charleston and the University of Florida, and he was named one of the Northeastern University's 100 Most Successful Alumni. He's also co-authored What's Keeping Your Customers Up at Night, which was published by McGraw-Hill in 2003. Steve has used his love of stand-up comedy to raise more than $100,000 for countless charities. And he's just as proud to see his two kids grow up, Chris and Catherine, and they are very successful professionals. We'll ask Steve about that a little bit later. So to Steve, to sum up, a sense of humor is really important. As he puts it, quote, a person has the resiliency to deal with the realities of the modern world while maintaining his energy, drive, enthusiasm, and smile. Life's far too short. Loosen up. And so here we are loosening up today with Steve Cody. Steve, it's my pleasure to have you with me today, my good friend. How are you today, and welcome. Uh, thank you, Art. It's, it's a real pleasure. I take, I take umbrage with your calling me an old friend. We are dear friends, <laughs> but let's, let's not use the, the old word. But thank you for having Very me. Very well. I concur. I concur. So, look, you have spanned a whole array of uh, marketing communications capabilities and experiences. Uh, you've spanned marketing, public relations, and certainly uh, the new uh, world of uh, integrated marketing communications. Tell me, what, what steps uh, took place for you to become founder and CEO of Peppercom? Uh, well, it was, um, it was a combination of uh, – of, of things. All right. Um, first, I I spent um, quite a few years in, in the holding company world, um, first at Hill and Knowlton and then at uh, JWT. Um, and um, I had grown weary of, of the holding company model, and we can go into that in, in greater detail. At the same time, um, you know, I was 37 or 38, and I didn't want to be 65 one day, look back and say, what if I had started my own business? So the stars were just really aligned perfectly. I had grown weary of the holding company world. It was kind of a, let's do this. It's now or never. And let's see what happens. And I happened to open the, the firm at the very um, start of the dot-com craze and 
happened to name the firm after my black lab, Pepper, called mm-hmm. it Peppercom. And all of the dot-com, deeply funded dot-com agencies started calling, assuming that Peppercom was a tech specialist firm. So <laughs> it was a uh, it was a million-dollar mistake in terms of naming the firm after my black lab. But it was really, a, you know, now is the time. Let's do it. So, Steve, um, you have become a uh, renowned individual within the world of PR agencies. You've been active in, in many uh, PR associations, the Counselors Academy and what have you. Um, what do you feel is the Peppercom culture that not only do you bring to your own agency but to the PR world at large? Well, I think I think first I think the PR world – and the leaders in the PR world, for the most part, take themselves far too seriously. So what we do is very important. The work we do for our clients is very important. The work we do for our agency is very important. But I think there's too much self-importance, um, especially among the leadership. So what I try to bring to the plate uh, every day at Peppercom and as some of the board members at IPR can attest and the College of Charleston people can attest, I try to inject humor where and when um, I see it um, filling a void, or if if the conversation is becoming so esoteric and so serious that I just think we need to take a pause and just do a reality check. So comedy has been just an amazing um, differential for me personally, for my firm, and and I think if whatever success I've had in the uh, in the in the PR association world, I think my fellow board members, advisory council members appreciate my bringing humor into an otherwise semi-serious meeting, too serious meeting at times. Well, how did it start? I mean, did you say to yourself one day uh, along the way that um, I think we need to change the culture and loosen people up? Um, Were you always uh, focused on humor? Is this something, you know, that's part of your background? Or how did it it come up? Yeah, no, it was a – I'm actually an introvert to be to be you know perfectly honest with you it was um it was a, a one and done type of situation that um my assistant Andy Stevenson who unfortunately passed away a year ago she kept on saying to me you know why don't you take this comedy course it's a four day comedy course you train with professionals and on the fifth day you actually perform at a New York comedy club so pretty much just to get dandy off my back and to say that I've done this. I went through this course, performed, got through it. And the MC happened to make the mistake of saying, you know, you're not that bad. I have my own show. Would you like to perform next Thursday night? And I immediately saw myself appearing on Leno and Letterman and thought, this is it. You know, this is it. I'm, I'm the next Rodney Dangerfield or Richard Pryor or whatever. So, so I spent two years, Art, of really doing nothing um, every Thursday, Friday night, but performing stand-up very, very poorly in front of audiences as large as 11 and as small as two. Um, but what, what, what happened over those two years was that I became conscious of the fact that in the business world, my listening skills had improved my um, ability to read nonverbals had improved my ability to fill either um, uh, a pregnant pause, if you will, that uncomfortable silence that can occur in either a new business pitch, client meeting, whatever. Um, Cut to the chase, uh, my uh, interpersonal 
skills um, had exponentially improved as a result of performing stand-up comedy. So I thought this, some of these skills are definitely transferable to the business world. So we do, we were doing a, uh, an all day offsite for the management team. And I brought my comedy coach in at the end of the day. And I said, we're going to do 90 minutes of stand-up comedy training right now. And if looks could kill, you and I would not be talking to one, one, one another right now. <laughs> but I they each, Oh yeah. They, they were not, they were not pleased. But they each went through it, and at the end of it, they said, we must roll this out to the agency. So that was about 2007, 2008, and ever since, um, we have been training uh, all of our employees in both stand-up and improvisational comedy. Uh, we've been doing it for clients and non-clients alike. Um, it's a great um, culture builder. It, it knocks down silos. People find out things about each other. They may have been sitting next to each other uh, for years. And by performing stand-up comedy, they learn uh, new things about each other. New bonds are formed. And when they are training together, they pull for one another. So there's a bond that's created in stand-up comedy training that is unlike anything I've ever seen. It, it, to my mind, it, it had to be the, 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 one of the most difficult things you've ever done. I know you climb mountains and all that stuff, but I, I would suspect that uh, uh, doing stand-up comedy, at least at the beginning, had to be more difficult than the, the steepest mountain that you could climb. Tell me about that initial experience and how your heart fluttered and your stomach turned. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. It was actually the anticipation. Um, so I was performing on a Friday, and – you know, that Friday morning and afternoon arguably was the worst day of my life because the anticipation was yeah. just, you know, out of control. Um, but the interesting thing is, and then obviously waiting to be introduced, you know, the, the heart palpitations. I think I flatlined at least twice. Um, so, but it's interesting. Once, once you're up there, uh, at least in my case, all of that um, nervous energy was channeled into – uh, enthusiasm, um, um, ebullience, if you will. Um, so what I was able to do was to transfer all of that intense anxiety into doing a halfway decent performance, which, you know, uh, motivated the MC to come to me and say, you know, you're not half bad. Would you like to perform again next week? <laughs> and you continue to do this? Uh, poorly, but yes, I continue to do it. <laughs> God, you must have learned something. You must have gotten better along the way. What is your humor would, based I on? What is the basis that. of your humor? Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. Uh, it's it's observational. So um, it's all about the pain that I suffer, whether it's commuting on New Jersey Transit, whether it's being indefinitely delayed uh, by United Airlines. Um, I occasionally will talk about, um, you know, certain um, unnamed clients, um, you know, who have just absolutely ruined my day or there, everyone in the PR agency world can appreciate this. The, the prospect that uh, invites you to Austin, Texas, expects you to pay the out of pockets, present for an hour, and then, you know, you never hear back from them. So, so what I do is I basically channel a lot of, and the other things would be the Mets and the Jets. So the things that cause me pain are the things that I try to translate into my um, stage performance. Talking to you right now, Art, is painful. So I might be talking about this next Friday night. <laughs> Don't forget.
forget to spell my name correctly, though. <laughs> That's the only thing I ask. Uh, no problem. And no, no, no aliases either. Um, so, uh, do you, do you, can you give us a very quick sample of uh, of uh, some material you've used? No, nah, you'd have to pay me, Art. You'd have to pay me. <laughs> no, I, what I, what I do is, uh, for example, uh, with New Jersey Transit, I talk a lot about the fact that you know I'm, I'm a marketing PR guy. And, you know, certainly in, in corporate communications, authenticity and transparency are, are absolutely paramount. And I talk about the fact that New Jersey Transit, if they just added one word to their tagline, they would be 100% authentic. So their tagline is New Jersey Transit getting you there. And I say if they just added the word eventually, they would be <laughs> delivering. They would be delivering on their brand proposition. So I kind of riff on things like that. Uh, that's great. So, um, so people who work for your agency, uh, the, uh, I gather, you know, uh, have been doing this uh, in their own way and, uh, and taking the training. And I gather you feel that it has really helped them communicate better with uh, both clients and new business prospects and the like. I gather, and with each other, and, and with um, each other, and with each other, and it also. Um, kind of infuses um, um, our, our culture because, um, as you mentioned in the intro, every holiday season we do a uh, comedy charity fundraiser, and oh, seven wow. or eight Peppercom employees will perform on stage. I will MC it, and we'll raise $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. But th the point is they see me. They often will come to see me. I, I tell them they won't have a job Monday if they don't. But they see seeing your CEO bomb in front of, you know, an audience of 50 yeah. people humanizes the CEO to a level um, yeah. that I, I just haven't seen anywhere else. So, you know, um, you know comedy is all about um, um, being vulnerable, um, sharing your weaknesses, um, dealing with the, the silence that comes when you say something that you think is funny, but the audience disagrees. So when you when you are that open with your employees and allow them to see you fail, it creates a whole new dynamic within the culture. So let's talk about culture for a moment. I mean, obviously this is one part of it. How would you uh, describe the other aspects of Peppercom culture, which you feel are unique to your agency, and you know, which uh, obviously helps motivate your employees and keeps them uh, energetic and and alive. Well, I mean, we've from day one, we've always tried to um, to uh, to think one step ahead and try to develop new service and product offerings. So, part of the culture is enabling everyone to come to me and the other partners with ideas for new product or service offerings. So, we have two that we're coming to market with right now. One having to do with purpose, the other one having to do with employee engagement. So. We, um, we, I like to think that we have a, um, a, um, a culture that encourages risk-taking, um, and if you fail, you fail fast, but if you succeed, we will put the funding behind it, and that has served us very, very well, and that's motivated people uh, in different ways. So it, it, um, it really expands the universe beyond working on client A, client B, client C. They also have the wherewithal to say, you know, I've done some homework, and I think we should be doing X or we should be doing Y. And we'll talk about it at a management meeting. And if we think it's a good idea, we'll move forward with it. So we are constantly experimenting, as I said, and we're trying to 
listen to, um, you know, the constituent audience, whether it's a CCO, CMO, CHRO, who, whoever it is, what's keeping them up at night? How might we be able to better solve or ease their pain? So that's one of the differentials. Um, so when I go into a new business meeting, I don't talk about the who, what, when, where, why. I ask them what their issues are. And invariably, it'll come down to a cultural thing, a millennial communication thing, uh, a purpose, uh, obviously a crisis situation. So it's very much less of a hard sell when you're constantly trying to come to market with new and different ideas. Mm-hmm. Steve, um, it's been in the uh, you know the PR trades uh, not too long ago that you went through you know a a divorce uh, with uh, the uh, individual you know with whom you uh, created uh, Peppercom uh, at the outset. Um, anything you want to say about that? Uh, any lessons for our listeners you know to uh, to 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 learn from the experience you went through? Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as you know, I wrote a, a column um, for Inc.com. There were 18 different lessons that I learned, and it's it's not too dissimilar from um, you know those who go through a divorce in their personal life, which happily I have not done. But you know, the person you meet and fall in love with 25 years ago is not the person that you're dealing with today. So your worldviews evolve dramatically, and in the last two or three years our worldviews became polar opposite. You know, if he said black, I said white. If he said up, I said down. So it it got to the point where it was no longer tenable. So um, there was nothing else to do but to part ways. Um, And it was a lengthy process. um, But um, I'd like to believe I've come out stronger and, and a better business person than I've ever been. I've learned so many things, Art about myself and about business um, because in the past, you know, I would always share some of the responsibilities. Well, now all the responsibilities are on my shoulder, shoulders. And, um, you know, the first three or four months, I was a deer in the headlights. And, uh, you know, I expected some attrition on the client front and on the employee front, and we had some. Um, but, boy, we have rebounded. And in the last 90 days, we've been named, you know, agency of record by Trivago and uh, um, Pirelli, and we're doing some great work for BMW. We have a major restaurant chain, Global, that we can't announce, but we've been we've won. So, and we're in another major new business pitch. So, Peppercom has has gone through an unbelievable metamorphosis. Very painful, but we've come out of it. And um, what I've learned, especially from the the fiscal, financial, operational standpoint has been um, just one of the best experiences of my life. So it it went from being arguably the worst experience of my life to right now being the very best experience of my life. Mm-hmm. And so what what is the hallmark now uh, in terms of the services and the philosophy that uh, Peppercom uh, brings to clients? Is, has that changed as a result of, uh, of this situation? Um, have you made decisions regarding new directions and new, new types of offerings and new types of uh, visions regarding client service? Yeah, um, it's a great question. It's your first great question, Art. Um, so <laughs> so, so um, rather than take a uh, uh, field of dreams approach, 
and hiring a bunch of people and hoping that clients will say, yeah, oh, Peppercom's now got this or Peppercom's now got that. We have, um, we've worked, we've engaged with a phenomenal consultant who is helping us scale and train and educate our people on all things digital, all things social, all things integrated, especially um, in terms of um, where, uh, where target audience, stakeholder audiences are going. So, so it, it's less of a, um, it's less of a build it and, and they will come and it's more of a, um, let's keep our, our ear to the, 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 the ground, if you will, um, listen to what's happening. And as, as we see opportunities emerge, let's start to grow um, our capabilities. So, so we have an amazing internal education program that goes across the board in terms of integration. And at the same time, we're empowering our people to start, you know, asking the questions with longstanding PR clients. How happy are you with your digital firm? How happy are you with your ad agency? And because we've got that trust with so many blue chip clients for so long a period of time, they're willing to let Peppercom have a shot at, you know, the next website, the next app, et cetera. So it's organic as opposed to, you know, investing ahead of the curve. So what do you feel distinguishes Peppercom from your competitors as it as it's presently constituted? Do you feel you're you may be even more uh competitive now than you were before? Absolutely. What what we've got is um is the rare combination of a firm that's twenty we'll be celebrating its twenty fifth anniversary in September, but because of the split, we're we have a startup mentality. So you've got the best of both worlds. You've got a very hungry entrepreneurial startup that just happens to have a great reputation and makes a lot of the short lists because we are Peppercom. So we're beautifully positioned. We're positioned in a way we've never been positioned before. So what, what do you personally, you know, given your past experience and, you know, the fact that obviously you shared responsibilities for a number of years with a partner, um, what do you now bring to Peppercom that you either hadn't uh, uh, encountered before uh, in, in, the, in your responsibilities as CEO? Um, and how do you feel that what you bring to the party is something that will elevate the firm going forward? Well, it's, it's, um, it's really a, a laser focus on running the business um, as tightly as possible. So full transparency um, into um, uh, uh, each account in terms of profitability, full transparency into cash flow, full transparency into aging, you know, accounts receivables. And we have a client roster right now where we don't have any client that's more than 45 days late in paying mm -hmm. us. So as a mat, so the, and we met with our bank yesterday and they said, this is, this is best in class. This, what you were doing from a financial standpoint is best in class. So, when when the ship is being run as tightly as it is internally, it enables you to do a whole lot more externally in terms of experimentation, investing, et cetera, et cetera. So the big learning lesson has been um, the, the the focus on fiscal day-to-day -day responsibility <clears throat> and being fully transparent, not only with the partners, but with the entire agency. Steve, you're currently uh, chairman of the Institute for Public Relations. Um, Obviously, that's one of our important uh, uh, professional uh, associations. Can you tell us a little bit about that and also uh, the work you do for it and why you have uh, put some of your energies into I IPR? 
Sure. Well, it's um, in my estimation, I'm a longtime member of PAGE and some of the other associations. IPR has been the very best experience I've ever had. It's um, it's a nimble group. We have we have 72 trustees, which may sound like a lot, but PAGE, as you know, has 500 people, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a beautiful mix of chief communications officers, heads of agencies, and academics. And we have the um, the um, the relationship where we get together three times a year and we let down those of us who have hair, we let down our hair, we share problems. Uh, we come up with solutions. Um, we talk about uh, primary research that one firm might want to do. We talk about what kind of research we as an organization should be doing. Um, how do we get out in front in terms of where uh, business and industry is headed? One of the things that we released not too long ago was a disinformation study, which I think is one of the best best research efforts that any trade organization has ever done. And it really talked about not only the media and not only the politicians, but public relations itself being blamed for passing along misinformation or disinformation. So I think IPR is, is, has, um, has always stayed true to its roots in terms of uh, – being rigorous from an academic standpoint, but we're doing more and more mainstream Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg worthy um, societal research. And I think there's going to be more and more of that. And to be making that kind of contribution is it's just a very, very cool experience. That's great. Uh, I, I know this organization well, and uh, it's, uh, it's high on my list as well. Uh, Steve, you received many honors during your career. Which, which honors do you cherish the most? And, what do you consider your greatest achievements to be? Uh, no question. The one that meant the most to me was Crane's New York business, naming us the best workplace in New York City. We, we topped 930 other New York City-based companies, including Microsoft and New York Life. And um, to be named by a business publication as opposed to a PR trade as best in class from a workplace cultural standpoint that that was just absolutely amazing. Um, and it gave us our motto for the future, nowhere to go but down, uh, which we have. Uh, we're no longer the top workplace. But that, you know, is, and I think, you know, some of the other people you've interviewed for this series have, have talked about culture and workplace. So it's great to be named, you know, best agency or best this. But when you can be named, you know, have, when you can, Cranes New York Business can say that you've got the best culture in all of New York City, that's a big deal. And that's what I'm most proud of. Steve, you've been around, you've been around public relations for many years. How do you feel it's changed? It's obviously, it's, it's, uh, it's changed dramatically. And, um, and it's interesting because a lot of people were proclaiming the death of public relations three or four years ago. You may recall some of the trade associations were actually interviewing members to ask if we should drop the, the words public relations or PR. I think PR has had an amazing renaissance, um, and it's an after effect of the 2016 elections. I mean, there's no question about it. Societal crises, hashtag me too, uh, purpose-driven organizations, and no discipline is better equipped to lead uh, in all of those areas than public relations. As you know, we, some of us, I started as a journalist during college and some of my internships. So we, we understand um, how to, um, to tell a story that will engage an audience and will not come across as selling something or selling someone. 
So consequently, in an age of distrust and disinformation, public relations has never been more valuable. And I think the future for PR is limitless. So where does that leave uh, Steve Cody? Um, how much longer do you feel you'd like to work? Uh, what additional uh, contributions do you feel you'd like to make? Um, what's your game plan going forward? Well, um, I certainly would like to think I've got another four or five good years in me. And um, I certainly want to um, get out while I'm still at the top of my game. So um, that's important to me. And, you know, I have such, I think, a great work-life balance in terms of I've got the climbing, I've got the comedy, I've got the guest lecturing. So I've got a lot of things, um, and I could also consult. So I have a lot of options. So I wouldn't be one of those people who just has public relations as his or her life. So it wouldn't you you won't be seeing Steve Cody you know walking into Peppercom you know 20 years from now because he has nothing else going on in his life. So I I feel I have so many options ahead of me, um, but I want to focus on on Peppercom obviously over the next three four five years, um, not so much in terms of growth but in terms of of profitability, and um, just again try to keep pioneering new service offerings and. Um, being among, you know, being seen as among the elite uh, independent mid-sized firms in the country. So what is your future mandate of public relations or whatever, whatever it might be called? I mean, I guess you are uh, espousing the continuing use of the term public relations when you know, a few years ago it looked as though uh, people were ready to, to shed themselves of that. Uh, what's the future mandate? Well, again, I, I think our industry, and I hate using the word industry because it's not an industry, but I just think we innately understand how to tell a credible story. And credible storytelling is never going to go away. And understanding how best to reach a stakeholder audience and engage in an authentic, transparent conversation and um, understand the right way in which to hopefully enter your client's product or service or the client itself into the conversation and consideration, that will never go away. So it'll still be about the conversation. And I still think public relations will be called public relations. And I just think the mandate will, will get broader and broader. Uh, I just think we're the single best, most credible storytellers within the integrated marketing mix. So given that, what do you think a PR agency will look like in 10 years? That's a great question. There's, there's no. Your That's second my second great, great question. question, right? That's, yeah, of all your second great question. I <laughs> doubt there will be a third. I doubt there will be a third. <laughs> clearly, clearly, um, virtual. Uh, you, you can be anywhere, and we have five, six employees full time who work in Raleigh, Fort Lauderdale. They could work in Anchorage or anywhere. It doesn't matter. So. You know, the um, the big advantage, again, not to go against the holding, the holding companies have those incredible fixed costs. So I think, you know, the future will belong to the nimble. And I do think you'll see more and more virtual agencies popping up and becoming significant players in, in, in the marketplace. So just a couple of questions about yourself, Steve. And by the way, you and I uh, really do have a lot in common, aside from the fact that we've been friends for, for a number of years, starting with uh, Pride and Alarm. Do you remember Pride yes. and Alarm? Absolutely. Tell, tell our listeners what Pride and Alarm was, Steve. 
Pride and Alarm, I believe, was originally founded by John Hill and, and Carl Beyer and uh, Harold Burson. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a group of, of public relations agency leaders who would get together once a month. And Pride was the pride of being in public relations. And the alarm was, what do we need to be aware of that we should, um, you know, put up our, our uh, antenna and, and share with one another. And um, it was a who's who of, of the public relations agency world in New York. And I was the kid. I was the note taker. And um, Mitch Kozakowski got me into into Pride and Alarm. And that's how you and I met. And that's how that's I right. met I met so many other great people over the years. So you and I have a, a, a lot in common. First of all, you and I both had partners uh, that we worked with. And you and I have both performed publicly, you in comedy, and me, if you recall, as a singer. Uh, yep. And those early late night uh, with David Grant shows at the Counselors Academy every year. Um, so I understand, you know, the butterflies you have in your stomach because, boy, I had twice as many butterflies as you did <laughs> getting up in front of a, a whole crowd of peers and, and singing. So I know what it's like to perform. Uh, do, you con do you plan to continue performing for years to oh, come? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, Climbing and comedy um, actually are, are um, cathartic in totally different ways. Yeah. Because when you're performing stand-up, you cannot think of anything but trying to make the audience laugh. And when you're climbing, you cannot think of anything but the next move because the next move could be your last move. So <laughs> in, in, a, in, a, in a very cool way, both um, completely uh, detach me from Peppercom, business, life in general, and I'm just in the moment. And, and you know how important mindfulness is and being in the moment. So after a comedy show or after three days of climbing, I come back to the office completely refreshed and energized. So they are both my drugs of choice, comedy and climbing. Well, is the element of, of fear, you know, you said earlier that, you know, you consider yourself to be a, a bit of an introvert and you have taken steps to overcome certain fears that you have uh, performing publicly, climbing mountains, all of which, you know, obviously bring in some degree of fear. How would you characterize that? Uh, it's a death wish. No, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, now it's, it's you know, you get to a certain point. I got to a certain point where I said, Okay, I'm successful, but that's not enough. I need I need to just push the envelope. I need to, you know, find out what else is out there, and um, and the comedy and the climbing um, just stretched me to the limits, took me out of my comfort zone physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, etc. And um, and as I said, both became so addictive that I couldn't imagine living without either. So uh, I, I don't know if there's another um, mountain um, that I want to climb in terms of a third avocation beyond comedy and climbing. But, um, yeah, they, they, they fill the need that I have to get away from it all and decompress. Well, uh, is it possible that you and I could be the new Abbott and Costello, Steve? I, I see us more as the Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> I'll, I won't ask which of us is which. But. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> that's right. So, Steve, how do you how do you want to be remembered? I doubt I will be remembered, Art. Um, <laughs> I'll re I'll remember you. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know you will. I know you will. Um, you know, I, I'd like you know Ray Kotcher introduced me to uh, his class at BU, 
and called me an iconoclast. And I'd like to think that I've taken the road less traveled and I've spoken up on some issues that other people haven't spoken up on. And I'm not afraid to, you know, take a stand on something that might be anathema to the CEO of a holding company or CEO of a, you know, another agency. So I'm not afraid to speak my mind. That's cost me in different ways. I was on the front page of O'Dwyer's back-to-back weeks for one blog that I wrote, but um, I'd like to be remembered as somebody who wasn't afraid to take a chance and speak his mind. And so what advice would you give to PR agency owners today? Sell. <laughs> well, that, well, that would give me something to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Uh, again, 10%. I'm 10% fine with PR. So, so what, what, what advice would I give to other agency owners? Well, yeah. um, be yourself. I mean, again, uh, and, and most, most, most do it innately. But um, the, more, the more vulnerable you are, the more uh, accessible you are, uh, the more empathetic you are, the more loyalty you will derive from your employee base. And as we all know, the talent is, is what it's all about. So you attract and retain great clients by attracting and retaining great people. And people don't quit agencies. People quit people. So the more human and open and authentic you can be as a CEO, I think the more likely you are to have success in retaining the best and brightest people and clients. Steve, last question. Um, tell me about uh, Chris and Catherine, your two kids. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Chris um, um, just earned his Ph.D. in Middle Eastern Studies, so he is now Dr. Cody, um, which I am immensely proud of. And Catherine is a rock star, and Chris and his wife, Olivia, have given me a grandson, Adrian, who will turn two oh. in September. Oh. So yeah, they are they are the light of my life. Wow. Well, Steve, on that happy happy note, um, we're going to end our conversation today as much as I'd like to continue uh, it with you. But uh, you and I will simply have to have a lunch and, and continue talking about the world around us and uh, maybe sharing some laughs together. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Steve. And on behalf of our listeners, uh, Steve Cody, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and sharing your views with us. And I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in to another of the Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. Until next time, I'm Art Stevens, and I wish you all the very best.